Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we are so glad to have you with us here today in the House of Faith. A couple of weeks ago, we started showing you a message that was recorded live at Eagle Mountain International Church, Fort Worth, Texas, my parents' church. It was recorded at the Kenneth Copeland Ministries Ministers Conference. It's a message we called the hope of heaven. You know, when you live in expectation of the reality of heaven, that expectation begins to shape and change the way you live life here and now. And the truth is, heaven is as much the plan of God for you or for me as anything we do on this earth. And one of the things we've discovered over the last couple of broadcasts is that heaven has a sound. And you have to identify what sound is filling your life and your house. And if it's not the sound from heaven, then it needs to change. Today, I wanna to talk more about that on this broadcast. I wanna talk about what joy sounds like, because that is the sound of heaven. Because in heaven, there is no sorrow, there is no mourning, there is no crying, there is no dying. And because of that, there is no sound that goes along with those things. The only sound that could be left is the sound of joy. And if your house is not being filled with the sound of joy, then you're being drained. You're being drained of all your strength, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So watch this today, part three of the hope of heaven and be filled with the joy of the Lord. So Jesus read all these things and I want you to notice the response to what he read from the people after he said in verse 21 today, the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing. It says in verse 22, all bore witness to him and marveled, check this out, at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. They marveled at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. But this is what they said in response to it. Is this not Joseph's son? So they're marveling at the gracious words. One translation says the beautiful words. But think about this a moment. These are not words these people haven't heard. We just read them. These words are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And they've been hearing these words. They've been expecting these words. They know these words. But this time, they're gracious. They're gracious. But their question immediately was, isn't this Joseph's son? In other words, we know where you're from, but those words sound like they're from somewhere else. We know you come from around the corner, but those words came from somewhere else. Gracious words. What makes words gracious? Well, where'd they come from? I'll give you a hint, the answer's in the question. What makes a word gracious? It comes from the throne of grace. Now, I'll throw this in right here. I know that there are a number of us in, in this room who in the last several years, like Papa said it years ago, he said, God has shown and shined the big light on his grace. And there are a number of us that have seen some things and heard some things concerning the grace of God and gotten excited about the grace of God. But let me just offer this to you. If you can't preach grace graciously, then don't. You hear me? 
If you can't preach the grace, the grace of God without some graciousness in your words, then don't because you might be saying some things that perhaps you even read from the book. But if they're not gracious, then the chances are they're coming out of your head and not from the throne of grace. In other words, if you can't preach grace without banging somebody over the head with those stone tablets that you're telling them to quit living by, if you can't preach grace without telling anybody and everybody else how wrong they are and how flawed they are and how under the law they are and how wrong, do you understand what I'm saying? There must be a graciousness to our grace. And at the same time, if you're trying to preach faith without love, that's just annoying. <laughs> that's what Paul said. I could have all the faith, but then if there's no love in it, it's nothing. It's nothing. Well, I'm, real, I'm more of a grace guy. No, I'm more of a faith guy. Let me tell you something. You are nothing without each other. We are nothing without the revelation of the grace of God flowing with the revelation of faith in God and in his word. Because without grace, there's nothing to have faith in. And without faith, there's no way to lay hold of what grace has done. We are nothing without each other. But you have to, it's, it's almost like doing a checklist before you take the pulpit. Is what I'm about to say, where did these words originate? Where do these words come from? And that's what these people said about Jesus. Where does he get these words? If you skip down in that same chapter to verse 31, it says he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Authority is a place. What are they saying? These words are coming from somewhere else. Somebody tell us where these words are coming from. And it's not that he was saying necessarily things they hadn't heard or words they'd never heard before, but these words were coming from somewhere else. What sound is filling the house? In verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. You want to know what loud voice is in the Greek? Watch me. Here I go again. Megasphone. And I'm going to take another shot in the dark here. And you tell me if I correctly assume it's where we get megaphone. Megasphone. In other words, there was amplification coming out of this man. Long before you could plug in a microphone and play it through a speaker, there was something magnifying this man's voice. There was something amplifying this man's voice. And just like Jesus spoke from somewhere else, this man is crying out from somewhere else. Now we've got a war of words. And none of it originated here. He cried out with a loud voice and said, let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But instead of engaging in this conversation with him, do you want to know what Jesus did? Rebuked him saying, be quiet. So here's the lesson for today. Words from heaven can shut up words from hell. What makes an anointed word? Where does it come from? Where does it start? It says in verse 36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, listen to this, what a word this is. 
For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. See, these people were not impressed with what he did. They were amazed at how he did it. A word did that. A word did that. A word took a demon out of somebody. A, a, a word shut the devil up. A word did. That's what these people were amazed at. They were astonished at the word. They said, what kind of word is this? Where, where do you get words that do that? Where do you get words that change things? Where do you get words that create? Where do you get words that bind? Where do you get words that loose? Where do you get words that lift burdens and destroy yokes? Where, do you, where can I get some words like that? You got to go to the source. What's the source of an anointed sound? It's the sound that comes from heaven. That's where you get those words. That's the only place to find these words. And I'm telling you, we must guard with all diligence the sounds that are filling up our house. Most especially the houses of our worship. And we spend time traveling and, and, and the Lord's put us in some wonderful places and met some wonderful people. And we've been a part of some great services. But you and I both know that there are a lot of sounds happening in a lot of churches right now. This is not to be critical of anyone or anything. It's for you and I to take note. It's for you and I to judge our own ministries. There are a lot of sounds coming off a lot of platforms that did not originate in heaven. You know what you need for an anointed word? It's not, like I said, the eloquence. It's not the way it's delivered. It's the origin of it. And the same thing's true with the song. We sometimes get in this, I don't know, this uh, fuss about modern worship and traditional worship and what's it supposed to be. Anything you and I consider traditional is, in the eyes of God, still pretty modern. Yeah. <laughs> you understand that, right? We don't sing this song. That's an old song. I don't want to hear an old song. Folks, it's not about when the song came out. It's about where the song came from. And the sound that is in it. Where'd the song come from? See, people are already coming to church moody. I have seen that. They're already coming in heavy. And that's what that word sorrow is. As a matter of fact, when you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Miss Billy read that earlier today. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brother, concerning those who have died, those who are asleep. Lest you sorrow like those who have no hope. People who sorrow are not living in expectation of heaven. And that word sorrow, you look it up and it has to do with a heaviness. And isn't that what... The prophet Isaiah prophesied concerning Jesus that he would give the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That garment of praise. There's another big fuss in the church. What should our church clothes be? Are we dressy? Are we casual? Are we modern? Are we traditional? We ought to be more concerned about the clothes we wear, not to the church, but the ones we wear because we are the church. And the clothes you and I wear because we are the church is this garment of praise. 
Put that on on your way to church. I don't care if it's got a tie or a t-shirt. Put on the garment of praise instead of dragging in there moody and heavy and sorrowful like everybody else. People are already coming in heavy. People are already coming in moody. And you know what they love? A pitch black room where they can hide in a corner. And there's some guy on a stage singing some moody song with like psychedelic imagery going on the screen behind him. And this is just doing nothing but feeding that thing in this guy who came dragging in to church. Now listen to me. I'm not, I know I sound like church curmudgeon here. I'm not, I'm not knocking anything, but I'm, let's just get practical for a second. A lot of the places that you and I both look to and the, the, the production value and the people that are coming to these churches by the droves and the thousand, you think, well, they, it's dark in there. Folks, these people have a lighting budget of tens of thousands of dollars. Do you know how many lights you have to have on to make it look dark? <laughs> So you can't watch that and they go, ooh, cool, I know what I'll do, and turn off the lights. <laughs> that's not going to work. It does, that's not how this happens. And if you don't have the budget to light it up in a way you know, that, you, that you think is cool, just leave the lights on. <laughs> I guess what you'll have to do is just leave the lights on and, I don't know, trust the Holy Ghost or something. I mean, I'm sorry it's come to that. But what I'm telling you is this is the way people are coming in. They're dragging in. They are living their lives heavy, weighty, sorrowful. And if they're hearing some sound that didn't originate from heaven, but out of somebody else's wounded soul and out of somebody else's tormented, melancholy moment in their life, guess what it's doing? It's feeding that thing and feeding that thing and feeding that thing. And if we never hit the tone of joy, then people may come to church and they may leave more educated. They may leave more well-informed. They may leave with some more knowledge about some scripture. All these things are good. But let me tell you, the one thing they will not leave with is strength. Because if there's no joy in the sound, there's no strength from the sound. And people need strength. They're coming to your church to be strengthened. Whether you like it or not, you are a gas station. You are a fuel stop in their week. And you have got to pump these people full of strength. Because many of them, it's not right, but many of them, the word and the sound they hear from this platform is the one they'll try to live on for the next week or two or three weeks before they come back again. You got to hit that tone of joy. There's got to be the sound of the oil of joy. Now I was thinking about this and I'm going to wrap it up and be done. If you're not watchful and you, you talk along these lines, you might give the people the impression that, well, if you're not doing camp meeting songs and two beat songs all the time, well, there's no joy in it. That's not true. That's not true. I want you to watch something. Sarah, come here real quick. Microphone. Watch this. 
I didn't tell her I was going to do this. Sing that song I asked you to sing on the way here. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, notices there were no instruments there was no loud drumming there was no nothing but did you hear the tone of joy in it yes. didn't have to do with the nature or the delivery of the sound it had to do with where the sound came from so an anointed word or an anointed song, or anointed any sound in your service, has to do with where it originates and what it flows through. This is where the healing of your soul is important. This is where the prosperity of your soul is important. God made a promise to his people. Stand up with me and I'll be ready to dismiss you here in just a moment. But in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31... It says, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him. Keep him as a shepherd does his flock. Sounds like Jesus. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. Sounds like Jesus. And ransomed him. Sounds like Jesus. From the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. Other translations say radiant because of the Lord's good gifts. For wheat and new wine and oil. This word wheat is another interesting word study. It has to do with the increase of it. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look up the word, the phonetic spelling of it, track this with me, is D-A-W-G-A-W-N. What's that say? Doggone. <laughs> How good is God? Come on, you missed that. Now, I realize a lot of you are not from Texas. Doggone. <laughs> For wheat, new wine, and oil, the young of the flock and the herd. And he said this, their souls will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more at all. That's interesting, because that sounds like heaven. So what we can conclude in this is that the hope of heaven, the expectation of it, is not just about you and me going there. 
It's about you and me laying hold of what is there right now and bringing it here. You have the power to do that. Hope can lay a hold of joy even if somebody you love has just died. Even if somebody dear to you in your church has just gone on to be with the Lord. You can lay hold of hope that is there and then and bring it into the here and now. The flip thing is true too. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Fear is to faith what worry is to hope. It's expectation. Hope is expectation of good. Worry is expectation of bad. And Jesus said, when you worry about tomorrow, you know what you do? You reach out from today, grab a hold of the trouble that's there, and bring it into today. Stop it. Stop it. Lay a hold of the future, the good future that you and I have. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. He says this in verse 13. He says, then the young women will dance, the young men and the old together. And that sounds like every generation. No divisions between styles, no divisions between currency of song and when was it written and when did it come out and nobody cares about that. All they want to know is where did it come from? And the young and old dance and sing together. And he said, I'll turn their mourning to joy. I'll comfort them. I'll make them rejoice rather than sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priest, that's you, with abundance. And my people will be satisfied with my good gifts. You know what the word satiate means? Drunk. Saturated. It's the difference between some guy who had a drink and some guy who's had a little too much to drink. The word satiate literally, literally means drunk. What's your soul soaking in? What's your soul soaking up? What's your soul drunk with? Heaviness or the oil of joy? We need some more drinking songs in the church. If anybody wants to get together and write some drinking songs, I got a good one we can start with. There came a sound from heaven. Come on, see with me. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the house where they waited. And it's coming to fill this house again. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.